Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 101 from the Gotham Podcast Studio. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca, and our guest here for the third time with us. Third time. The great senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, also the host of the Full 48 podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, Howard Beck. Gentlemen, how are you? Thank you for that very kind introduction. I think uh, I think you're the first guest to be in all three of our studios that we've had. Also, it, it in is. all wow, three different locations. I think that's true. It changes every time. I what, think that's true. what do I get for like the third? What is like like do I get like a little plaque or something? Is like a little like maybe little stickers or something? We got to give you something. <laughs> we should. You know what? I, we should. We got to keep tracking because you track your guests. And I, I started I, doing that. Yeah. I, I, who, who was on the other day? Rick, I, was it Rick Buecher? I had, Buc- was I had Buecher on. Buecher yeah. accused me of having him on only because I couldn't get Zach get Lowe. Zach <laughs> so I had to. I had to actually like break out my my running list just to tell him like, no, dude, you are among the all time leaders and that, and in appearances. Then he, moved, he moved to number one, right? With and that appearance. No, no, I think he's still like slightly. Behind, I think he's one behind Jonathan Wasserman, our, okay. our okay. draft guru. And Michael like, Lee was there too. He Michael like Lee's six. up near near the top. Uh, Zach, Rick, um, yeah, I'm thinking. I can't think of who else. I just had Jamal Crawford on as uh, the one that's put just recently posted. I think that was Jamal's third time on. Oh, he's been, yes, so, right, because I've heard him on before. Okay, yes, he's okay. Al- he's always great. I love Jamal. He's, he's he's always great on this. So yeah, right, you can check Howard out there. Full forty eight podcast. Howard, you are a senior NBA writer. We talked about this the last time you were up here, and a question occurred to me. For a while, I said, I'm going to ask Howard about this. How many years of experience do you think it takes for you to actually earn the title of senior NBA writer? That's a great question. Because there should be a requirement. See, I'm going to... I'm gonna, that, that, we were, Dexter, Dexter, Dexter and I had a discussion so, about this over the phone a while so, ago. <laughs> so I got I, I to gotta, I gotta do this. with. Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance, Vinny Goodwill, but I got to I gotta say. So when, <laughs> when uh, Vinny's a good friend, but when Vinny got to Yahoo and, they, and his title became senior writer, I'm like, man, you're too young to be senior writer. Like, I, I like, I'm not saying Vinny hasn't been around and busted his ass. In the, but oh, I, bust, yes. I busted my ass for like decades before I got a senior anything title. So I'm like... See, come on, man! Like you're not senior. Like you're, you know, like he's good. Vinny's good. Vinny, Vinny's great. Does Vinny's great. great. Vinny does a great job. We love Vinny. Yeah. yeah. I just think senior. There's like, yeah. There's certain like uh, it, it implies a certain like longevity. You know, I agree. like I get some fucking gray hairs first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you so, so you're talking? Are you no, talking that that's like, the tagline right there for a senior <laughs> NBA writer. Get, get some fucking gray hairs. That should first. be in there every senior anything <laughs> application at the bottom. Just get some fucking gray hairs. I like first. a couple wrinkles around your eyes. Something like. So just, is it is it more is it more age or is it more I think time in the game? Fifteen of years, covering twenty years. I, like I, my my guess would be if you went to all of the media outlets that use senior NBA, senior White House, senior whatever. Right. Th- there's probably no standard definition for any of them. Right. I think Especially it's just kind of your White House. Yeah. I I, I think I, like you know, look, the New York Times is, is more regimented, right? I, I worked there for many years, mm-hmm. and and there was no senior titles within sports, but there is. I I don't know actually if the, if they even use senior White House correspondent at the Times, but like CNN, pro- I think does that. They, right. They that's a very do. that's a very yeah. TV thing to do. It is. Um, but I, my guess is. 
That means that of all of the 17 Washington correspondents or whatever working for that network, you are the maybe the top of that heap. Maybe you're the, you're the one everybody has to defer to. Maybe you get the best stories. I don't know. So senior means you probably there's some combination of longevity. Uh, you had the juice, the leverage to ask for it in your contract <laughs> negotiations. Maybe I don't yes, know. I would think so. Um, I, I think now it's just kind of randomly thrown around. And I don't like that. You know, I, yeah. th- That's the reason I brought it up. I haven't liked that. I, I'm, I'm not going to mention the person, but we saw somebody who... It wasn't not, one. It wasn't one. It was more it was than more, one. I've not not Vinny Goodwill. No, not Vinny Goodwill. Because, <laughs> see, Vinny Goodwill at least has, like you said, he's busted his ass. He's, he's worked in this league a long time. Yeah, he's been yeah. doing this for a long time. We've seen some people just get into the game, Howard, and they have the title senior. And yeah, I was so. like, that's a disrespect to my man Beck or <laughs> or even Vinny Goodwill. That's not cool. Like yeah. you can't just come in the game and get senior. No, not 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 no. if you not not five minutes after you started your NBA no. beat writing career. I'm with you. I just so I said we have to ask somebody who actually has the title. Yeah. How do they feel about that? Yeah, I th- I think I think it probably like it does imply a certain amount of like level of uh, of either prestige within the organization or whatever. So like I think you could you could get it just based on being great at your job i suppose i kind of tend to think nah it's got to be earned and it's got to be earned through like uh years of uh four games and five nights and a lot of crazy ass flights and hotel nights and time away from your family and getting the shit kicked out of you by this the season schedule like after you've done that for a bunch of years and it's worn your ass out then you can become senior. Agreed. These people we're talking about, they have not done that. We'll tell you we'll, off air. We'll tell you, we'll, 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 tell, we'll tell you offline about that. All right, let's get into some NBA talk. Um, one of the things that dominated uh, recently in the cycle was the proposed uh, changes to the season that could be coming up that will be eventually voted upon at the NBA Board of Governors. Um, so you had the in-season tournament, you had the play-in tournament, and what, what was the other major thing? Am I forgetting? Reseeding. Reseeding. At the conference finals stage, yeah. Out of those three... Did you did you like them all? Do you think they're likely to happen? What what do you think? If I'm going to rank them in terms of uh, how much they're appealing to me personally, a senior writer, um, <laughs> I I love the play in tournament. I, I think there's very little downside to it, and I think there's great upside. Um, I think the reseeding. I'm a little bit like it, I, I I have mixed feelings about the reseeding, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Um, I'm going to put the, the midseason tournament last. Like, it's got the most caveats, the most um, question marks, just the – and, and also the, the least clear value, yes. right? I know the I, – I can tell you exactly what the value is to having a play-in tournament. I can, I can define for you what the perceived value is to reseeding the conference finals so that you have – uh, you know, one versus four, two versus three, irrespective of conference. And now you might get presumably the two best regular season teams in the NBA finals. And it might be the Rockets versus Warriors a couple of years ago instead of Warriors Cavs or whatever. I could like people can debate whether that's a good thing or not, but we know what the perceived value of that is. I do not know what the value of the midseason tournament is yet because it's it's just such a foreign concept. And it's it's a we're trying to take some part of the season that has always just been one of 82, uh, you know, five of 82, whatever, however many games. Right. And now it's going to have something special attached to it. These, this two weeks of games is different than all the other weeks of regular season games. How do you make fans care about that or believe that? How do you make the players and the teams buy in and believe that? Um, I, don't, I don't know. And the league doesn't know either. They're still trying to figure this out. Like, mm. is it, it, you know, are they incentivizing players through just money? Are they incentivizing teams through, as has been reported and rumored, an additional draft pick? Um, 
could you go the way that like Bill Simmons had, and I mentioned this on my, my most recent podcast, Bill Simmons has a great uh, idea for this where it's kind of like hockey standings where you're earning points through wins. And so you're, it's not just the wins and losses, it's the points you have accrued. So his thing was uh, during the midseason tournament, uh, the first round win is worth a point in the standings. And a, a second round win might still be worth, I think, just a point. But if you get to like the semis, maybe it's two points. And then if you're in the, the finals, it's four points maybe for the winner and three for the loser. I don't know, something like that. But Bill's idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably butchering it, apologies, Bill. <laughs> but it's a, great, it's a great idea. It's, it's that that's the way you make everybody care. Because now the fans do care because they're saying, no, 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 I need my team to get those extra points in the standings because I want them to have a good seating uh, in the spring. Uh, I want them to get a home court advantage. Or I think my team is a fringe playoff team and maybe this gets them in. Um, And then the the players have to care. You know, money is is a great incentive to an extent, but they all make a boatload anyway. And so a couple thousand extra, you know, 20,000 extra, 100,000 extra, I don't know if that's enough to incentivize them to say, I'm going to care about these games and not, like load manage these games or we're going to we're going to we're going to take it easy cuz we know if we get eliminated early we'll get a week off and we'd rather have that. So you have to give the, the stakes need to be just more than money. And now the downside to the, to to the Simmons concept of the points is like all right the standings won't look the same as they have ever, right? The right. standings will be completely foreign based on decades or compared to decades of NBA standings prior. So that's a little bit confusing. Anyway, the league has a the, the league needs to decide if that's the approach or how they're going to make this midseason tournament actually feel meaningful for for all parties involved and most especially the fans because if the fans don't buy in and, and then it's it's pointless. But the the play in tournament, which we could discuss, I think there's there's really no downside. I think it's a great. I, idea. Lo- I love it. Yeah, I, I think the play in tournament. I think the play in tournament is fantastic. Do you think it seems to me like the the mid season tournament seems like the long shot, right? Everybody, it, if in terms of getting voted on and approved, um, do you think the play in tournament is the most likely thing um, to to get approved in, in terms of voting? So yeah, it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out in the spring because one. I'll tell you this. Adam Silver took an early L, as the kids say, um, <laughs> in his commissionership when he tried to do lottery reform. Yep. It got a majority, but not the, 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 the three-fourths or whatever that it needed, and it failed. Now, he got lottery reform finally passed, uh, you know, whatever it was, two years ago, and it, this, this past spring was the first time that the, it was in play in the lottery. Um, my understanding is that this is not going to be voted on at the Board of Governors meeting in April unless Adam knows he's got the votes. Hmm, so a right. lot's going to happen between now and April to get the right plan in place with buy-in from enough of the owners so that it doesn't, this, this does not go to the Board of Governors vote unless Adam knows it's, uh, it, it's a done deal. Um, so they're going to ha- they have a lot to figure out between now and then, and they got to get you know buy-in from the Players Association because they have to sign off. They got to get buy-in from uh, ESPN slash ABC and Turner, the TV mm-hmm. partners. There's a lot that has to happen. Um, could they parcel it out? Could they say, you know what, we just can't quite figure out the right formula to get everybody to buy-in on the midseason tournament? It's it's just a, it's a really just a it's a big lift. We 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 can't figure it out, but everybody's enthused about the play-in maybe, or at least enough people are. Everybody's enthused about the reseeding, or at least enough people. Could they just do pieces of it instead? Maybe. Um, right now it's being presented to the extent it's being, like obviously the league hasn't said anything officially about this. It's all just, you know, reported uh, on sources. But um, but the league is pushing it out there as a package deal. Hmm. I will be curious to see 
if there are too many hitches with one element, most likely the midseason tournament, whether they would go ahead and say, all right, that's fine. Um, we still think there's great value in these other changes that we want to make. Let's just go with those and see what, and, and get those approved. Yeah, that's that's what I'm int- intrigued to see. And re- receding, you said that you're not so on board with it at this point yet? Because that, that surprised me a little bit just because I think that's what people generally want the most, right? Were, yeah. you, what, were you a 1-16 to 16 guy? I have mixed feelings on that one too. Yeah, I thought so. I thought your feelings but were mixed. Is it yeah, is okay. it mostly the travel or no, no. or is it just the imbalance of we're probably going to get 10 teams from the west and <laughs> six from the east yeah. every year for like the next 5 to 8 years. Um the 1 through 16 thing look, the league will tell you that it's a it's a huge travel problem. Um which I kind of, you know, I'm still skeptical of. They tell me I'm wrong. Um It'll be Lakers versus Magic. In yeah, the well, first round, maybe. No, but you you could you could have like Portland Miami in the first round, and which is I think that's the longest single like stretch, stretch. in the yeah is Portland to Miami. So it could be like Portland Miami first round, and then you know Miami Salt Lake City the next round or something, or Miami back to LA or whatever the next round, or you know Port, if Portland emerges maybe it's Portland Toronto the next round. Like you could have back to back series of just insane travel. Um, I tend to think they could figure out a way to to do this, but. Uh, that's one element. The other one is just like the the um, the, the reluctance for the own, for, by the owners to actually go for it, especially in the East. The Eastern Conference teams know they can make the playoffs with 38 wins year in, year out, most years, because their conference sucks and <laughs> has consistently sucked for most of the last 20 years. Yep. And why go to one six through sixteen if you know that that's going to be to your detriment? If you're the Charlotte Hornets, a team that's all you know often on the bubble or just sneaking in as the eighth seed, or you're Detroit, or yeah. you know like any any number of those teams that are kind of always the ones that are kind of flirting with that seventh, eighth, ninth area. Yeah, you know, or or if you're a team that's lower and you're just trying to get in and you're on the rise and you're like you know you, you know you're the Bulls and you're like is this the, the breakthrough year? You know we can. So one through sixteen is going to hurt enough teams, or at least owners will think of it that way. That, that they're just they're going to vote out of self interest always, always, always. That's the bigger impediment than the travel. The, the league office will tell you it's about travel. I, I will tell you it's about owners looking out for themselves. Um, I agree. The my thing with the one through sixteen is is I'm I'm still at least slightly wedded to the the conventions that we've all grown up on, right? Like yeah. East versus West. I know it's it's kind of arbitrary in a lot of ways it, but it is the way we understand the league and you know they are playing different schedules it is an imbalanced schedule and right. so the record of of, of of west teams compared to these teams it, it, it's not analogous anyway and so now you're going to see them one through 16 i don't know it'd just be a little bit weird it might mess with traditional rivalries even as i say that though like how many rivalries still really exist like at, at various times in, in league history Bulls Pistons was a big thing. Does yeah. anybody give a crap about Bulls Pistons right now? No. Knicks Celtics was a really big deal at certain points in NBA yeah. history. Does anybody care about Knicks Celtics no. right now? Knicks uh, Heat. Well, what is the rivalry? Like, what what is? Tell me a rivalry in the NBA right now. Howard. We we had Warriors versus LeBron was a rivalry. <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. was Warriors versus LeBron. I like how you said that. People were, <laughs> That's people, what it was. people were trying to do Lakers versus Clippers, which may get there at some point. I mean, but maybe, but it's not there. I think it's Lakers not. Clippers is a thing. If, if for no other reason than it really freaks out Laker fans to hear any of us praising the Clippers and saying that they're <laughs> yeah. the favorites. Like if Laker fans who have all the championships in the world, like you just rest on your laurels and like be secure in that. If you are so threatened by any of us saying. You know the Clippers are better on paper. How oh, can you do that? Yeah. Laker fans freak out at the idea of the Clippers being better than them, and they'll always come back. And this Knicks Nets, it's the same thing. The yeah. the longer standing 
uh, teams with the with the richer history in their markets, it's the same thing. Even if the other team is better, it's like, well, we have more fans. Well, yeah. <laughs> we get we get better ratings. Our attendance is better. More people wear our jersey. Sounds like a lot of Knicks fans I know. Um, <laughs> and look, all those things are true. Yeah, they're true. But it's not the point, folks. Yeah. The, the they're point not is, better right like, now. Right. The, the, eventually, this goes back to basketball. And if the you know the Clippers had like a five six year run there with Lob City, where they were just like miles better than the Lakers, who were just like flailing around for a while. Yeah. Credit to the Lakers, they're they they're they're back. Um, I think the Clippers are a little bit better. I think we'll all find out in the spring. I hope those two teams end up playing each other. And it's going to be too. awesome. Uh, hopefully, it's at the conference final stage if the bracket uh, lines up correctly. Um, but. In the meantime, yeah, the Clippers are legit. And, and the very fact that uh, that Laker fans, who do outnumber Clipper fans by a large margin, the fact that, that, it, that it freaks them out um, and that they have to feel defensive about it says that there's at least some, like, germ of a rivalry there. Uh, yeah. that, that's fair. You know, I, I do hope we get some more rivalries, though. I do. Like, I do miss, like, Knicks versus Pacers when I was younger, which, you know, they did have that one playoff series where Melo played against Paul George in 12, 13, or whatever that was. But yeah, that, that was one, the Heat. And the Spurs was, I guess, a little bit of a rivalry those couple of years. They were going in back and forth in the finals when uh, LeBron was pissed that Kawhi Leonard got subbed in that one time. <laughs> yeah, but it said, yeah, there's really the rivalries just aren't the same as as, as we saw. It makes yeah. it sound older, but back in and, the day, yeah. And and so to that point, if the if there are no real consistent um, enduring rivalries between teams and cities, maybe it doesn't matter that we scrap conferences and go to 1 through 16. Mm-hmm. Um, if that ever comes to pass, I think that one is, like I say, I, I don't know if that'll ever happen. But the reseeding at the conference finals right. level, so that the idea is, you know, you have all these years where we say, oh, the Western Conference Finals is the real finals, folks. And we've said that a lot of That's times true. in the last 20 years. Yep. You're, you know, Lakers-Kings, Lakers-Spurs. Um, there's been a lot of those over the years. Warriors-Rockets. Warriors-Rockets. Yeah. And Warriors Thunder. And then you go to the yeah. finals stage and the Western Conference team rolls. Um, you know, sweeps or five-game series. We've, we've seen it you know, with Warriors-Cavs. We saw it with um, Lakers-Nets back in the day. And so rather than have all of us obnoxious media people saying, well, the Western Conference Finals was the real finals, the, 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 the league's answer to that would be, all right, well, let's reseed at the Conference Finals stage. So those final four teams – um, it's going to be one versus four based on regular season record and two versus three. And I did this. I actually mapped it out. It's, I think it's in my bag. If, if you want, I could, I could uh, pull out the, 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 the thing I did with the last five, six years just to see how often we'd still have the same conference finals. Hmm. And it ended up different, I think, four out of the last five years. Hmm. So you, you would have ended up with, like, you know, the Rockets and Warriors in different brackets at the conference finals stage. Um, and they might have lined up and would have had Warriors-Rockets Rockets. in the finals. And, okay – you would it accomplishes the the goal right if they're if they're as good as the regular season record suggests then maybe we should have warriors rockets as the finals we should have the two best teams regardless of conference okay that's that's an easy thing to say it's an easy principle to stand on sounds logical if it actually comes to pass are we all going to be sitting there at the finals going this is weird that there's, yeah. two, that there's two Western Conference there's, or two Eastern but, Conference teams. That's yeah, what I'm thinking be, of it, but too. Again, yeah. But again, it's because of what we all grew up on, right? Well, we're we just we're programmed to kind of think this way. The other thing is, of course, I think LeBron going to eight straight finals is one of like the great modern feats. And yes. now people have tried to denigrate it by saying, well, he was in a weaker conference, which all right, is kind of true, but still, you still have to get there. It's still not that easy. And some of those teams he dragged there, like, it was amazing, right? Yes. Um, it, he wouldn't have had eight straight. 
now. Like if we're going to go back and I'm going to do the thing where I just did it out on paper to see how the, 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 the semifinals would, would line up, um, it wouldn't have been eight in a row. And yep. we, we would have been robbed of some really – like even when the Cavs got rolled, LeBron versus the Warriors was still like a really cool thing to watch. The greatest oh, yeah. player of his generation versus one of the greatest teams we've seen assembled. Yeah. Um, that was pretty fucking cool. And, and, and to not have that and instead have Rockets-Warriors – uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're questioning. Do you know we might want this, but do we really want this? We we might yeah. get it, and then we might yeah. be like, no, I don't know. I it's, mean, but there, there are just there there are a lot of things generally, just societally that we grew up on that's just different now. Like there are just a lot of things that we just accept now that we probably wouldn't have accepted. And maybe before. we will. So maybe maybe, we will maybe this goes into that category maybe. as well if it were to happen. Yeah, it, it's like I say. It it once it becomes the norm, maybe we'll just you know it, it'll it'll we'll, we'll snap into it and it'll just feel and it'll feel normal. But um, for the moment, I'm like on that one. That's why I've just got a little bit mixed feelings. Like I'm not sure I want to ditch that entirely. I agree. I, you know, look, it's just like with replay. We can all agree that. You know, the goal of trying to get everything exactly correct and not have mistakes affect the outcome of games seems like a good idea. Then we sit there and watch the games and go, for fuck's sake, can we just get on <laughs> with the damn game? Every day. Like, and the coach, can, can we go for the, can we for the record? Can we say the coach's challenge sucks? It sucks. I hate so it. I yeah. Hate no, it. We, we hate it. The coaches hate it. I hope this, I hope it dies a quick death. Me too. Um, and even as somebody who's been in favor of transparency and in favor of, of all the accountability measures that the league has, has instituted under Adam Silver and the expansion of replay, yes. I think they need to, to reassess the whole replay thing. Like, I don't, I'm not saying ditch it but there are too many triggers now for too many uh situations there's always going to be human error you can't fix all of it there is no perfection it's fine to strive to get it right as often as possible we got to find a better balance between goal one be right as often as possible and goal two have a game that flows and is done in two hours Agreed. Yes. Don't like that it kills the flow of the game. That human bothers human me. error is part of the game. Eh? Yeah, and you have, I think we right. have to be accepted. And, and today you'll say human error is part of the game, and tomorrow if your team gets jobbed, you'll be like, ah, I can't believe it. But <laughs> well, that's fine. This like, is we why just I don't that. have a team, right. so I'm good. Yeah. Right, and you, can, and you can live with that. All right, Howard, want to move on to this. Uh, what do you think are the most overreported stories of the season and oh, most yes. underreported stories of this NBA season? What are people focusing on? Way too much attention on, or what do people not pay attention to? I put this in the rundown just for you. Like I, <laughs> like I, this is the one where I was like, I, I'm curious to see what you would say. Is it Kyrie? Is Kyrie the most overreported thing this year? I, I do think that we are. I, I think that's 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 a good place to start. Um, we are hyper focused on Kyrie and his mood and his personality and his what his Kyrieness. Um, <laughs> Kyrieness. <laughs> he's he's a unique individual. Yeah. Um, and whether the like we 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 overanalyze or we overinterpret sometimes. So um, Celtics underachieved last year. Now they're great. It's because Kyrie's gone. Nets uh, were struggling out of the gate. Now they're doing well, and, and he's well. He's been hurt, and it's because Kyrie's not playing. Like elements of truth in both of those statements, right? Like mm-hmm. I would not dismiss that by any, that would be intellectually dishonest or to to say, but. but Chemistry is a funky thing, and it's really hard to know for sure. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you can't you can't say for certain on any of these things. Um, it's it's that m- mysterious of a of a thing. Like the how how teams operate with with each other, personalities click or don't click. And the Celtics had like at least five different factors going into them underachieving last year. Right, everything from young guys trying to do too much to and and contract situations like say with with Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward not being Gordon Hayward, them force feeding Gordon Hayward into the line. All this, like every single part of that. 
um, them having maybe just too many good players, as Danny Ainge himself said to Rachel Nichols recently. I, I believe that was the case. I believe that Brad Stevens didn't do a very good job of managing all of that. Agreed. Right. So there were like a, a bunch of factors for them. With the Nets... Like, yeah, they struggled out of the gate, but, like, they changed out significant pieces of their lineup. Um, their best player isn't playing for the entire season. Their second best player, or uh, third best player, technically, Karis Levert, is, has not been playing. Um, but they also were trying to incorporate a high-usage guy in Kyrie, who's, who's you know, same position but different than D'Angelo Russell. Like, there was, there was going to be an adjustment period regardless. So let's not over-ascribe uh, the, the outcomes to the obvious. Well, it must be Kyrie. Everything must be Kyrie. Presence of Kyrie means you lose. Absence of Kyrie <laughs> means you win. Like, come on. Like, let's not get ridiculous. Like, the, the Cavs had very good years with, with LeBron and Kyrie together. Yeah. Um, you can say it's all because of LeBron, but you know what? He needed Kyrie for a lot of that, including one fairly significant shot in NBA history. That's right. Um, so it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know why you looked at me. I, I, I know exactly why you looked let, at let me. Let me fill you in on this, Howard. He is. Wait, this is an ongoing thing on the podcast, right? He so, is a. Hold on. I, you know, let me let you tell it. I no, because you're going to misrepresent I, me. I don't want as to. You often I don't do. want to. And I, don't, I want Howard to have the facts. I want him to get the full story. He's the full 48 podcast. Right? <laughs> so he's got to get that. Go ahead. Please. No, no, no. Because we have talked about this whole Kyrie and Kemba thing before they even, you know, before uh, Kemba filled his void. In Boston, we were talking about how I don't think talent-wise they're that far apart. That's what I've always said is that when you – and I think generally when it comes to – what? Why are you looking at me I'm like just that? smiling. I think, generally, <laughs> I think generally when it comes to NBA players and professional athletes, I don't think, especially in the NBA, the skill sets from you know person X to person Y is so far apart because we avoid looking at situations, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that Kyrie Irving – Having been in Cleveland, while it obviously did help them win a championship, I do think that other point guards we kind of overlook. Like Kemba Walker, he was in Charlotte, and he had to carry them to whatever it was, you know, one playoff berth. They almost made it to the playoffs last year and all those things. And then when we're ranking them, we sort of been like, oh, but he only did this, and Kyrie brought this team to the finals when he didn't really. LeBron was there. So we sort of overlook these elements, and I think these players talent-wise are a lot closer than we give them credit for. That's not to say that I don't think or that I do think that Kemba is better than Kyrie because that's not what I've said. What I've said is the gap, the gap is minuscule when you're talking about just pure talent alone. And then when you do weigh in personality, Kemba, who does have a better reputation, that may, that may balance it out a little bit. Yeah. Did I do a good job of explaining that, Dexter? I, th- I think you did. <laughs> I think you did. Howard, I don't know how you feel about that. But. Like, like if you're doing it in NBA 2K, right? If one person Howard, I'm sure does not play. If but but you'll understand, but you'll understand it in this way. If one person's overall rating, let's say Kyrie's a 90, is Kemba Walker really an 85? Like, are we? Is he really an 80? Like, is it really that far apart? No, I would say he's like an 89, maybe even a 90, maybe 80. Oh, do you think it's that close? There's, I mean, there's so much. In, the NBA uh, context matters so much more than other sports, right? Like, the, your your surroundings, the players that are around you, like, have such a huge influence on your performance and your 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 efficiency. Um, and so, it, it is sometimes hard to 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 make straight up comparisons. And you know, look. That Ky- doesn't stop people from doing it. By no, the of way. course, <laughs> Kyrie, for all of his talent, couldn't get anywhere with the Cavs before LeBron returned, right? And you know, Kemba couldn't get anywhere on his own in Charlotte. So right. that's that's analogous, right? Yeah, really talented guys couldn't lead their teams anywhere. Yeah. Fair point. Um, One had Jeremy Lamb as the second best player, <laughs> <laughs> but 
if you were just going to try to uh, isolate their skill sets and, 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 and assess them in isolation, yeah, you know, Kyrie is one of the most skilled guards I think we've ever seen. Like yeah. he just he, the guy is 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 a magician with the ball in his hands, and he does things that no one else can do. So yeah, Kyrie's the better player yeah. overall. He is the more skilled player overall. Um, is it enough of a gap that other elements become irrelevant? You know, or or are diminished? I, I don't know. Like it's it's you know how close is it to your point, Brian? Like that your your thing is like the, the gap isn't that big. It may it may not be. It it probably was at a certain point because Kemba had to build himself into the player that we now see. Right. Kyrie arrived with a a lot of what we see in Kyrie was all was there from day one. Kemba came in. He like he had to he had to create that jump shot. He had to create like that pick and roll effectiveness. Like he didn't. He wasn't this Kemba from day one. Well, no, we were talking about this last season. And that, that was basically what I was yeah. going off yeah. of. No, so we were talking about this last season. And that was also when I said I would take Damian Lillard over Kyrie. You and I think Tom said I was crazy. And then he hit the shot in the finals. And then Kemba, I mean, Kyrie did what he did in the playoffs. I mean, didn't hit the shot in the finals, hit the shot in the playoffs. And then Kyrie did what he did in the playoffs. And, you know, all of a sudden that discussion sort of flipped. And now everybody sort of thinks that Damian Lillard is better than Kyrie Irving. Funny how that works out. I call him, he's, I'm calling him a Kyrie Irving hater. That's no, I'm not. And by the he's way, not. I actually do defend him with all this stuff. No, I think, he does. I, I think, I think, I think, based on because this has become a mental health discussion, mm-hmm. and I think that is dangerous for obvious reasons. One and two, I think we're just over. We're like, we're why are we I'm, so? I'm with Howard with what he said. That yeah, we're, why we're are we over, so? Well, I don't think on him way too much and. Yeah, how yeah. much he's affecting the team without looking at the other factors that you mentioned, which is the Nets were going to go through this yeah. transition. Like, period. Let's, you know what let's it just, is? Let's see when he gets back and he starts playing again. Let's let's see. But I also think that people are calling him Moody because they're using that as code because they don't want to call him bipolar. And I think people really think he's bipolar, but they don't want to call. Well, him we don't bipolar know. Probably. Like, yeah. I don't know what that is, but I'm saying Moody can't be the thing that one one makes you be like, oh, you know, go up in arms because we're all Moody. Every single yeah, one of I, us. I don't, you know, I know Jackie McMullen did her piece, and I, I don't know, you know, exactly how that affects the locker room. Like you said, chemistry is is tricky. Yeah. None of us are there every day um, to know exactly how that works. So I do think we have to be careful with how we label yeah. people on those things, and I do think we have to be careful what we focus on. You know we like to hook our listeners up from time to time, and we have a hookup for you today. So for the listeners of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can check out one of my favorite sports books, $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by William C. Roden. That's available on audible.com with hundreds of thousands of other books that you can listen to today. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T for your free audiobook. What do you think people are not focusing on this season? People um, are focusing way too much on Kyrie, yeah. for one. What do you think people are not focusing on this season? I, I think for the like third or I think the third consecutive season, um, we're probably all sleeping on the Pacers a little bit. Huh. Ooh. They're they're fourteen and seven as we tape this. 
Victor Oladipo has not played a minute yet. Yep. Mm. But he's coming soon. It's, it's looking like soon. Like he, I think they, they, they said they were calling him back up uh, for, for rehab purposes. But I think what, they, they sent him on a G League assignment. Yeah, right? he played, so, yeah. played G League. He's been there for um, a little bit. So they're not yeah. saying he's going to play momentarily, but they're, he's going to be working out. Could with, be around Christmas. But it seems like it's getting close. Yeah. Um, it's a tricky injury. It's, it's one that we don't see often, and so we'll have to see how he functions when he comes back and if he's still the same Oladipo. But, like, a 14-7 and seven team adding one of the best guards in the league? Mm. I mean – we started this season, conventional wisdom, this included me, was it's a two-team race. Bucks and Sixers, Sixers and Bucks. Yep, agreed. Um, and I always thought, you know, the Celtics, who I was really high on last year before they, you know, did whatever. <laughs> you and I both said 65 yeah. wins. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yet. Um, <laughs> but the, and so the Celtics have started to become the team that we thought they could be. Um, and so now, okay, they – they should be in the conversation. They're like they're they're in there. You know, yeah. I think I know record wise the Bucks feel like they're running away with it, but it's 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 not it's not that big of a gap. I don't know if I trust um, their depth long term. But yeah, the, the, yeah, we could. I mean, there are, there are, there are um, asterisks we could attach to each of these teams if, yes. if we're going to start like Agreed. you know, yes. handicapping. And Gordon Hayward's still out, so that's um, also true. But okay, it was a two team race. Well, all right, no, but the Celtics got off this hot start, and the Heat are a lot better oh, yes. with Jimmy Butler than people, I think, give him credit for. And the Raptors, <laughs> who most of us thought were going to be like a fifth, sixth seed, like yep. a, a good, gutty playoff team with a lot of returning vets who won a championship together, but they don't have their best player, but hey, they're still really good. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Pascal Siakam's actually playing like an MVP now, Man. and the Toronto Raptors actually look like they could defend their title potentially. So suddenly now we're talking about five teams, and I was just talking to a GM this morning before I came in who was like, don't don't count out the Pacers in all this. Like and wow. Like, so, um, and he's right. Like they're fourteen and seven. Uh, they're um, nine and two at home. Yep. Playing five hundred on the road, which is you know solid enough. Um, and you know solid point differential. Yep. They're like there's nothing about the Pacers that that screams contender to you because they don't have that star power. But for the you know umpteenth year in a row here, like they play their butts off, they play together, they just just they just you know out out outwork you, outthink you, whatever it may be, and they do have a really really talented player coming back soon. And if he is himself, I'm not saying it means that they're a, a title contender, right? But they're going to be in the mix of of that 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 top group there. And the Sixers are a little kind of funky right now mm-hmm. and the bucks you know i think we'd all agree you know like after Giannis, the drop-off is so big that you sometimes wonder like where are they going to go on the nights that he doesn't have it or that teams go all out to, to try to to uh neutralize him to the extent possible um i don't know like there's there's caveats we could throw up with all of these teams and so you know yeah we should probably we should probably be paying a little bit more attention to i pacers. like that that was good we should pay more attention right. to the pacers but people are definitely not definitely not doing i know it's that early enough. but are you guys worried about the sixers at all so let me let me say, let me say this because I did want to touch on the Sixers. I'm concerned about them, and I have been before the season offensively. Howard, um, I think they can defend well. I just don't love their offense. I don't know where they're going to get en- another shooter if they could add it to that team. I think losing Reddick hurt. Richardson's been okay. Tobias Harris, who I I like, uh, max contract. School. Tobias Harris to you, sir. Great guy. Who's who's who's? Or are you going to put the ball in their hands at the end of a game? That's the concern for well, me. That's, 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 that's they the miss thing. Jimmy Butler. They, I mean, let's let's they be real. Absolutely, about yes. they absolutely and they paid Tobias Harris money to where 
he should be that guy, but I think they probably. And I did, love Tobias. Harris, they probably but, did that yeah. knowing he wasn't going to be. So why are you like? And so what do you th- what do you make of them? I have concerns about them. What what do you make of them as a team right now? Um, and do you think Miami could beat them in a series? <laughs> oh, he he's <laughs> super high in Miami. The yeah. way Zach Lowe was yes. yeah. at the start of the season, yes. very high. Except I've been telling you since like August. Yeah, like, pretty you know, much. Bam, most improved player. He, he, he loves Bam, Miami. Bam's great. Bam's good. Bam's good. Bam is great. Um, I like the Heat a lot. Uh, I. I think that like these teams all have very different makeups, and so we're we're when we're trying to to compare and contrast them, it's it's a little difficult because you know Milwaukee's just all about Giannis, yeah, and Philly's about two guys, and Boston's about three or four guys, and Miami's a you know we we'd think about Miami as being you know a, a Jimmy Butler run you know. Uh, 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 operation, but like really, it's it's more of an ensemble. Yeah, and, watch and, them like, play. Yeah. Jimmy's only averaging, I think it's like fourteen shots a game or something. Like he's not even like that high usage. It's it's really yeah. about like everybody there. Um, they're all kind of different, but most of these teams have like one identifiable star. Mm-hmm. So it's not like anybody's got like is going to out talent the other teams based on like a big two or big three. Like huh. nobody nobody really has that. It's really about. Milwaukee, it's about Giannis. Boston is a little bit more of an ensemble. Miami, you could say it's about Jimmy, but it's an ensemble. Toronto's kind of about Siakam, but it's also the the group that's yeah. played together for a while. Philly, we talk about Embiid and Simmons. It's really more about Embiid. Yep. Yes. He's 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 the guy that they rise and fall on. Um, and there are people around the league who are a little concerned about like just his inconsistencies this season, and like you know, is is, is he truly in shape? Um, what's mm, going that's on with him? With him. Simmons and Embiid, like the chemistry between them, everybody says it. Whether you're talking about basketball chemistry or personal chemistry, it's it's questionable at best. Um, I think Jimmy Butler's actually lent voice to that too, because yeah. in all of his interviews, he's kind of saying like, "I'm close with Embiid," but I don't know if everyone was on the same page in Philadelphia. Right? Like, who else could he be talking? I kind of think right. he's been talking about Ben <laughs> Simmons the whole I, time, I, I, which I, leads I, me to believe in my head. I'm just theorizing here that maybe Embiid and Simmons don't really get. I along spoke that with somebody well. in the organization so, last year who told me. You know, Simmons is a little different. Um, yeah, in the ah, way he inside information. Yeah, I spoke to my organization last year. Told me that. So yeah, it's a little he, different. Yeah, he he is, and and that's been a consistent theme in terms of the Embiid Simmons uh, dynamic. It's been a consistent theme the last couple of years that you know pe- people will tell you readily that they don't really get along. It doesn't mean they're at odds with each other, but right. they're not. Right. You, when you have two stars, the, the the whole point of having a second star or a third star, whatever is to have them make each other better, to yes. to elevate each other. And, you know, I, I hate to always, you know, rest on the easy crutch of my Shaq-Kobe coverage days, but, like, <laughs> Shaq and Kobe famously did not exactly like each other or appreciate each other at all times during their time together. However, did they make each other better? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got three championships and, and four finals uh, to show for it. Um, Are you saying that uh, Ben Simmons can't make and be better because he won't shoot? Is that part of it, Howard? Could that be it? Doesn't help. There you go. But he needs the space. It's funny. And Bede is the one shooting too much now. As as much as we talk about (laughs) Ben Simmons not shooting, we probably should talk about it more. (laughs) There you go to bring it back to something we should talk about more. I mean, we we probably should. Like – you're you're a lead guard. You're 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 you. The, the whole point of your uh the 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 phenomenon of Ben Simmons is that he is a six ten point guard. Yes, but he's a six ten point guard in an era where shooting is incredibly important. Yep, and it's not even that you won't shoot threes. You won't even shoot anything outside of like eight feet. And 
that's an issue. That is a, that is an actual problem. Yep. Um, now, uh, you could have a, a you could have a Ben Simmons led team with a and the, you know, the LeBron analogy, right? LeBron plus a bunch of shooters yes. is always going to be able to kill you. Yep. Ben Simmons is not LeBron, but there is a the vague outline of that kind of makeup, physically skill set, passer, playmaker, da 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 da. Right. Get that kind of cast around him. Well, then Ben, ben then Joel Embiid doesn't fit that. Yep. Um, that that's and now they got Joel Embiid and Al Horford out there together at times. So now you've got no spacing. And you don't have enough shooting, to Brian's point. Yeah. Um, they do miss Reddick. They do miss Butler, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Horford, I love Al Horford. Everybody wants Al Horford. But I think Al Horford's better for them as somebody who alternates with Ben Simmons as opposed to somebody who plays next to him. I agree. Um, and, and yeah, Ben Simmons is going to – this is the thing. Like, all right, there have always been guys who can't shoot. And then over the course of their careers, maybe they create – like, Jason Kidd came in as Ace and Kidd because he had no, <laughs> no J. Jay. Rondo, Rajon Rondo. Look, look yeah. he's shooting Rondo's pretty well from three right now. But Rondo – like, listen, Rondo's one of those guys who was like, oh, I can't shoot. But if you leave him wide open he's and you're daring him, shot. he's going to say F you and he's going to shoot. <laughs> right. And sometimes he's going to make it. And he'll always say F you. And he probably will say a few. <laughs> but see, that, see, I hear the Tony ben voice Simmons there. Is That's like, what bothers me. Yeah, ben, ben Simmons, Simmons he just won't refuses. Do it. Refuses. He won't shoot. And, and he's not held accountable for it. Like, he's not any other. This is, all right, so slight tangent here. I'm going to do the. Oh, yes. Uh, right, sorry. Old, old, old he loves tangents. tangents. Yes. Old, no, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to once again be old man shaking fist. Old man shaking fist shaking sitting fist on the lawn. Yes. I like these tangents. Um. There was a time in the NBA when, like, if, if you had that, like, glaring of a flaw in your game, not only would we all talk about it, they, 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 people would be asked about it every day. The coach would be asked about it every day. Mm. And, again, if, if Phil Jackson had Ben Simmons, Phil would be saying, yep, Ben's got to shoot. He would be saying it to Ben. He'd be saying it to us in the media. <laughs> he'd be, like, going on. Like, he'd probably be poking fun at him. He'd probably be splicing in game film of, like, people refusing to fire all kinds of things, like guns and grenades and whatever, like, have it blow up in their face. I don't know. He would be – Phil would be tweaking him over it. And, you know, there, like, there was a time in this league when, when the coaches were very outspoken and had no problem. But the, the players have so much power now, and they've earned it. They deserve it. I'm not saying otherwise. Oh yeah, you've been you've been a champion but, for that. So yeah, absolutely. but coaches are coaches are very passive these days. In terms, like they're much more like vanilla personalities. Like and when, especially when it comes to like calling out either their players or stirring it up in the media with opponents or whatever else. You don't have the Phil Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy taking shots at each other. Or Phil Jackson, Rick Adelman. Um, you know, the, the coaches at one point in this league were were kind of these larger than life personalities. Now they're all a little bit like. Beige, you know. I agree. They're all Damn. they're all just kind of like you know uh, beige dockers, you know. <laughs> nobody of, wa- nobody kinda, really wants them. Kind of inoffensive. Yeah, just you there. know. But they're not so. And I love Brett Brown. And Brett Brown, like I mean, great guy, great coach, uh, phenomenal accent, um, and a great <laughs> yeah. interview. And it is somebody who will talk about issues and will sure. talk about uh, yes. all these things at, at length. Um, I just don't think like there was Ben Simmons in a different time in this league. I think would have, would be called on the carpet more often for these absolute just refusal to shoot. It's not something like like we could like people like killed Shaq for years about the free throws. Yep, dude still went to the line a ton, and he just couldn't shoot them. He I guarantee you he practiced them. I guarantee you he had any number of shooting gurus who were trying to help him. Some of whom he listened to. 
Everybody, every year there was somebody else trying to fix his free throw shot. He sucked at free throws. Okay. He tried. He sucked at free throws. Ben Simmons doesn't just suck at shooting. Ben Simmons just won't shoot. And Ben Simmons won't drive either because he's terrible at the line. So whereas Shaq was terrible as a free throw shooter, but still his advantage was I'm going to put you in foul trouble. Nobody can guard me. Well, Ben Simmons, good luck stopping a 6'10 freight train driving to the rack, but his free throw rate has gone down. Yep. Mm -hmm. His overall shooting. He's only shooting 10 times a game this year. Because he doesn't want to get fouled and he doesn't want to be at the line. And we should probably, as much as like we love these guys, he should be criticized more than he probably is. This is why I, I, this is why I agreed with Zach Lowe when he said on his podcast, <clears throat> it might have been when you both were there, where he was talking about how he's probably never been more nervous about picking a team to go to the finals than Philadelphia. Yeah, they've just got some obvious flaws. I'm in the yeah. same boat because, uh, because of everything you just outlined, Howard. These guys, Ben Simmons... Joel Embiid just aren't a fit for one another. They're just not. Yeah, I wonder how long it will go. Like, I, I, it'll be really interesting to like if we could fast forward five years from now and to know where that goes. Because I, if I had to guess, this is not a partnership that's going to last ten years. You no, know, I don't they're think not so either. Yeah, it's, I, don't think it's, so. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's probably going to end at some point. One, one or the other is going to ask out or or walk away. Um, and we'll see if maybe they're better off just paired with a different star. And I'm not casting blame on either one. They've both got their flaws, and they're both young, and they've still got time to to evolve. But sure. um, it it doesn't feel like when you see two superstars, two top 15 type players together, it's supposed to be more potent than this. Yeah. It's supposed to look like what LeBron and AD look like. I know it's an unfair comparison, right. but it's supposed to look like what Kawhi and Paul George are starting to look like. It's supposed to look like what... You know, Steph and Clay together was, or Russ and KD was, yeah. or you know, it's it's why I was skeptical about you know, like with Russ and Harden as great as they are, like are they did it really move you know did it really move the the uh, ball forward? Like I I don't think it has. Mm. Harden's at another level. Russ is you know just kind of along for the ride at this I mean, point. Well, with them, well, the, the real the, the real test with them is Mark uh, May. Really, well, we'll and, test and them with Russell Westbrook hitting some so, shots, but that's but, all, that we'll get to that in a second. But we'll we'll see what happens with the Sixers because if they're say a second round exit this year, then we're going to probably start hearing some things in all season. Before, I agree. Before we before we go to that, I want I want to ask you something because you talked about um, how at a time we would have the media would probably be holding somebody like Ben Simmons accountable, or coaches would say things about their players in the media. Do you think? Uh, do you think the media? Because maybe we're not focusing on that enough about him not shooting. Do you think the media, the NBA media at all, is maybe has softened a bit? Yes. Alan? Yes. You think that you think yes. they have? You think they're yes. trying think to protect relationships? Apologies to everybody, uh, including myself, because I'm going to throw myself in this. Yeah, I think I think we've all gotten soft. Do you think they're trying softer to, anyway? Brian kind of brought that up. Do you think it's to protect relationships with players and teams? Does that and and how do you think that affects? The because reporting? I've seen this on Twitter where people would tweet out like you know super super positive things about a team, and I'm like, wait, what are you like? What are you doing here? Are you trying to protect? <laughs> you trying to protect something, yeah, or are you trying that. to report? Like, what's you know what's going on? Um, th- there may be some of that. There may also just be more of a sensitivity to not wanting to alienate fan bases, and, and like I, we're all living in the same universe now, right? Like, there used to be a, a, a distance between us and the media and the fans who we were writing for because mm-hmm. we didn't have constant communication with them. We had met very minimal communication, but we're all living in the same space now. It's called Twitter. That's why people um, are soft, though. And, and, and Instagram as well. Yeah. And so now 
now it's the second you start in on like, well, Ben Simmons doesn't do this or, you know, this guy doesn't do now oh, you're a hater. You're this, you're yes. that. Now all of a sudden you got to deal with this. And I, so I think, I think we probably are all like, I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing like literally hundreds of reporters simultaneously. <laughs> so it's, this is a, a, a stupid, Same. a stupid assumption and a stupid leap to make, but I, it's what I, what I perceive, what I perceive is that, uh, cause I, I feel this myself all the time. Occasionally, I'll be like, eh, "I'm not gonna tweet that." I just I don't have time for like the no, bullshit. I today. do it too, though. Yeah, because like, it's like there's so many people just on Twitter right away, and it it, it makes you just almost reconsider. Like, yeah, oh, man. and it's probably you're probably you're reconsidering. It's probably for the good. Anyway. It's probably for the good. I was yeah. about to say, Dexter, probably, you're, yeah. you're right. Yes. It, 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 sometimes we probably should just hold back. Like we yeah. don't we don't need to express every last little like uh, observation slash joke okay. slash whatever. <laughs> um, but. I do think that it has probably made us all a little sensitized to the idea that when you, especially if you criticize high-profile players, popular players, um, you're you're going to get this backlash sometimes. And and players have been elevated to a level now where I feel like, especially again on Twitter, Twitter, NBA Twitter is is very rah rah in general. Oh, like yeah. it's it's very pro player, pro NBA, and like. It, I think everybody kind of gets the, it affected by that. It it, it just kind of uh, it, it's hard not to be, and so being negative about anything um, in that space, I think just leaves you open to a, a lot of backlash and criticism, and, and maybe people just don't want to deal with it. I mean, you're not you're probably not wrong, Brian. Like again, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on people and start reading motives. Is it about protecting relationships? Possibly. Um, you know, is is there a, a, a little of, of all of these things at work? Maybe. But I do think overall, I think we are, as a whole, NBA media softer on the league and the players now than 10, 20 years ago. Moving to... <laughs> no, I, I, I thought it was well said. I what, what are your thoughts on that, though? Because I, I, want, I want to know what you think. I agree a lot with Howard. I don't want to cast these aspersions on everyone. But I do think a lot... I, I do think there is... Okay, let me say this. <laughs> I do think some of it this is, is going, like when some, you. How should I word this tweet? Some of it is going to be generated. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think before I talk. Right? He's backspacing in real time. <laughs> yeah. I've done that plenty. Of some time. of this like, is uh, probably generational too, right? Yeah. I think. Oh, oh, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Though. So I think, I think a lot of it is. And Howard and I are the are the older people that are, that have done some of this this reporting, right? And I think that. We're fine with, with criticizing, but we're navigating our way through this social media era. And I think you should be critical of players. I think you should say the things that we're saying about Ben Simmons when we're talking about, not him personally, mm-hmm. how it affects the game, right. how it affects a the team. There's nothing wrong with doing that as a journalist. But then players take it personally. Yeah, but I have to say, screw them and that. Like, I agree. But, they, then, but then what happens is the player takes it personally, and then everybody gets on the media Okay, but here's the thing. Out. And I want to defend the media on this. I if Howard really? writes something and somebody doesn't like it, yeah. right? He's open for criticism every time he publishes an article. Every time Bleacher Report publishes a feature that he does, he's open for criticism. I could say, I, I don't like Howard Beck. He sucks. I don't like the full 48. People probably put crazy stuff in the comments that you see. Whatever. As a somebody who does anything in the public, you're open for criticism. That's yeah. what it is, whether you're an NBA player, whether you're a journalist. So it has to work both ways. Howard takes it. <laughs> He's fine. He's doing okay. I'm agreeing with, with criticism. you. I'm agreeing with you. I know you are. But I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that I think people are not allowing it to go both ways. Oh, I agree Consumers with that. Consumers aren't. And I think I think that's I think that's problematic societally going forward, not just in the NBA. Yes. 
But I don't think what I'll, to wrap it up, I don't think that journalists like Howard and others, um, myself, you should stop from being critical when we feel like it's need to be critical. So I'm going to agree with Howard. Yeah. Stop being soft, journalists. Yes. <laughs> S- step up. Yes. Stop, don't be soft. And also, <laughs> slash, you don't need to be a dick. Like, yes. No, you don't have yeah. to do that. Right. And when I, yeah, when, that's, a, <laughs> that's an glad, important clarification. I'm glad you point that out, Brian. It is, it's, yeah, I'm not advocating that we all just like, just to do like hatchet jobs every day. But, <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. But I mean, anybody who knows my track record knows that's not what I do. Like, right. But I do think that thoughtful criticism is part of covering the league. Yeah. It always has been and it should be. And, yeah. you know, being a journalist at on in any, uh, uh, um, Area right, being a film critic, being a Washington correspondent, covering city hall, covering anything, the job is to hold people to account, and yes. people in power to account. And yeah, sports is not the same as the White House, but it is still our job to say, well, why have the Knicks sucked for like eighteen of the last twenty years or whatever? Like, and who is responsible? It, that's it's holding people accountable. That's part of the job. You know, if you thought that the coach made a, a, a flub in the in the rotation, that's why we stand there to ask the questions. It's yes. holding the coach accountable. Um, is it because like he's accountable to us? No, he's accountable to all the fans that we're writing for, for the general public, for the people who are paying money to watch these games or to attend the games, to buy the jerseys. Like the job of being a journalist is to hold people to account. So sometimes that's by the questions we ask. Sometimes it's by the analyses that we write and the criticism that we weigh in with. And um, I do think that a lot of that has faded a little bit in favor of uh a softer brand of coverage or sometimes just more, um, you know, basketball analytical coverage. I don't mean just anal- analytics like the numbers. I mean uh, analyzing the, the, the X's and O's and the whatever. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of content that is just so much more fundamentally about the game itself, not necessarily about like, okay, what did a team do right or wrong? And it's all out there. Like the, I'm not saying there's none of that, but on a day-to-day basis – Yes, I think some of that has gotten a little bit softer. And see, that is the great analysis you can get from somebody who is a true senior (laughs) NBA (laughs) writer to bring it back. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Howard, uh, what are your biggest, give me a team, biggest disappointment, uh, biggest surprise of the NBA season? (sighs) Biggest disappointment, there there are several candidates for that one. Um, slightly disappointed in the Kings, but giving them a pass because Darren Fox and Bagley haven't, haven't played. Yeah. Um, granted they've rallied without those guys, but I, I just think that, you know, they started off stumbling. Maybe it's the hangover from the India trip. I, I think that there's, that's a, I think that's a real thing. Um, so they've been a little bit, but I, cause they're one of those teams that I thought, ah, they gotta be knocking on the door of the playoffs this year. And they still might like they've rallied They're eight and 12. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not out of it. Um, Portland, maybe. 
Portland is is a is a disappointment. Literally come, I'll come back to Portland in a second. I think though that the team, and this is this is one of those where it's like, you know, you you uh, just like I talked Dexter and I talked ourselves into the idea that Boston was a sixty five win team last season. Oh, so know, it's not, so now, now, now it's like personal <laughs> offense. Right like, damn you, you like, how could you how could you make me feel this wrong? Uh, the Bulls. The Bulls. Oh, I thought you were. Did you go, have? Did you I have them in as as eighteen? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to yeah. go with the Pelicans. I thought you were going to go Golden State. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they. No. they, they okay, so the Bulls. So the Bulls. Yeah. Bulls. Tell, tell us why they're so disappointing. Because uh, I liked the young core. I liked what we'd seen so far from Lowry Markkinen. We liked what we saw what, from Wendell Carter Jr. before he got hurt. Yes. Um, uh, you know. Zach Levine, okay, great. He has his flaws, but a, a talented player who can impact the game in a lot of ways. Um, and then they add Sadaransky, who I thought was very undervalued in Washington, and I thought was a really nice pickup for them. They pick up Thaddeus Young, and so I just I liked the 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 combination of youth and veterans, the additions that they made, the natural progression that you expect from from their young guys, chiefly Markinen and uh, and Carter. Um, I just thought that there was a lot of good pieces there, and I thought this is the year that in a still kind of weaker Eastern Conference, weaker at the bottom half of the playoff bracket, right? Like, I know it's very strong at the top right now, as as we covered earlier. But that 7th, 8th, ninth area is, like, very murky. And I thought I thought the Bulls could make a run, and they are as we speak. Eight two and, and a half games out. Eight, yeah, two and a half games out. So they still have a shot. Yeah, but that's the thing. But they're they're eight still and, there. They're eight and fourteen. Like, um, so they're my biggest. And they've had some bad losses too. I didn't. Yeah, they see, had some bad losses. And I, marketing has not played well. Well, yeah, I didn't no. see. I didn't see it with the Bulls going into the season. I didn't think that they were going to be like a playoff team necessarily. So they're around where I expected. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out my most disappointing team in the East. I'll tell you what. I didn't think the Raptors were going to be this good this year. Because I, I didn't I, think Pascal was going to make this jump again. I think I'd probably say Orlando. There's a, there's an argument to be made for that. Oh, Maybe you they'd well, you know what? Better. Orlando, Detroit, I expected more out of Detroit. Maybe. I don't, I don't know, know how much more I expected. I don't that's know why it. I expected yeah. more out of Detroit. And then, and then in the West is Portland. But they seem to be getting it back we'll, a we'll, little we'll, bit now. We'll get, we'll, get to, we'll get to Portland <laughs> in a second. Yeah. Uh, most surprising team. I mean... It's been Phoenix. They've they've started they've come to come back to earth a little come bit. back to earth a little bit. Still eighth place as we speak, ten and eleven. Um, and and still like they have shown a, 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 a that there's a, a, there is something 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 good is going on there now. You know. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I didn't see it coming. I th- I thought they'd be better than last season, but that's a it was a low bar. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they've they've been a pleasant surprise. I think Minnesota's been surprisingly good. Um, I mean, the most surprising team has got to be Dallas. So before yeah. the season started, and I swear this is true, uh, it was it was that whole, like the one through six in the West I thought was a lock. And in that Same. lock, I had Portland. Um, huh. So, but I thought seventh and eighth were up for grabs. And I thought the teams that were going to possibly fall out, um, you know, Oklahoma was already kind of a given. Mm-hmm. But the seventh and eighth teams in, in, in play to me were the Warriors and Spurs. And when it finally came down to it, it was like, you know, the gun to your head. Are they making it or not? It's really hard to root against or, or to pick against the Warriors. It's really hard to pick against the Spurs. Yep. But I said, gun to my head. I'm saying it's Mavericks and Pelicans. So, oh. so now the Pelicans obviously have had all kinds of injury True. issues, uh, not just Zion, but uh, some other guys banged up and they've underachieved a little bit, whatever. Um, I, st- I still like the Pelicans a lot. I still think there's great potential there. Um, but I did think the Mavericks would be a playoff team. And I and I, I I thought that this would be a breakthrough season for them. I did not see th- this strong of. I mean, yes. again, as we're as we're speaking, they're the f- 
got the fourth best record in the West at 15 and six. Um, that's incredible. And we did, you know, like the, the leap that Luca has made, even from his, his great rookie of the year year, um, is, is phenomenal. You look at their roster and you're going, I don't, it's like, how are they doing this? Yeah. How are they doing? <laughs> um, which makes you wonder how well, how long it can last. But, uh, Rick Carlisle is a great coach and always gets the best out of, of everybody on his, his roster and, and just puts guys in, in a position to succeed. Um, I think the Mavericks. If you're if you're going to rank the biggest surprises, pleasant surprises, I think Dallas is first. Now, how, staying on the Mavericks real quick. That's how good team. do you? Yeah. I, well, I'm a, I like Doncic. I was very high on him coming out. How good do you think they could be? Can they stay a top four team? Is this a team that could win a playoff series? I'm kind of like you, where I'm high on them, but I don't know if I trust the supporting parts. Right. Tim Hardaway Jr. is your third best player. He's inconsistent. Maxi Kleber's hitting shots. Dorian Finney Smith. All these guys. Luca slowed down in the second half of last season as well. Could that happen again? What is it? What is this team? Right. You've got them as a playoff team, Howard. But like, yeah. are they a top four seed? Can they do some damage in the playoffs? I- I've got to believe that by the end, um, because talent is is so determinative in this league, that by the end, the mere fact that some of these other teams have better assemblages of talent, that, that Dallas will fall out. Like, yeah. I still think Utah should be making a surge at some point. Agreed. Mike Conley's going to get it together. Like, my thing with, with the Jazz, especially with Conley, is uh, I always say this, especially with guards, there's no forewarning when the guy that was great for all these years suddenly just one day is ordinary. And I'm not saying that's happening to Conley right now. I'm just saying that he's got enough miles on him and is at the kind of age where you don't know which day he just kind of falls off the cliff. Hmm. I hope that hasn't happened, but it's just it's it bears watching because of the struggles that he's had. And Utah, while they're still fine, they're not they're not the 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 team that we all projected them to be as a top four in, in the West. I still think they can be that though. Like the Lakers and Clippers are definite top four. And it's, you know, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz jockeying, and then Dallas thrown in there as, as the surprise team that's trying to crash the party. I, I, I kind of feel like Dallas, like, again, it's not any disrespect to what Dallas has already right. done. It's just kind of this, I still don't know quite know how they're doing it and whether I can rely on the supporting cast. Now, that said, they still have upside. Because Porzingis is not playing that well for them, right? He's and he's just starting to look a little bit better on the yeah. defensive end, especially. But yeah, he's not even playing that well. He, for he's them, making right? an impact in, in all kinds of other ways, but as a scorer, as a shooter, he's not. We're, we're not seeing what we saw in New York. Now, dude was off for twenty months right. after an ACL. Um, I don't think we should be saying this, judging it, and saying this is the Porzingis that we'll see for the rest of his career, even within the course of this season. He could make strides in getting his game back together. And so if, if Porzingis can do that along the way, well, hell, then, then it's, it's, a, it's a different ball game. If he can play closer to, to the old all-star level, now you're talking. Um, but for the moment, I'm going to say that the Mavericks probably slip out of the top four, and it's, it's Houston or Utah in there instead. Portland, uh, can they get back in this? And did you like the, the addition of Melo? Um, Portland is a lesson again in that whole squishy chemistry discussion we always have. You know, we, it's hard to define, it's hard to manufacture, um, and it can be um, uh, uh, underestimated or or, uh, or or taken for granted. I think Portland took their chemistry for granted. They they you know, we look at them and we say, well, it's the same team as Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Mm. No, um, they lost Al Farouk Aminu yep. and Myers Leonard and Jake Lehman. And Mo Harkless and uh, Evan Turner, like they had all these other guys who 
on their own, you look at them and like, well, that guy's not that important. Yeah, but there was something in the mix. They had something that got them to the conference finals last year that made them a team that, again, the last couple of years, every year, we kind of write them off and they'd overachieve every year or surpass expectations. Why? Two really great players in the backcourt and a, a just a, a nicely tuned group around them that fit them and they became better than the sum of their parts. That wasn't a team that blew you away on paper. It wasn't no, yeah, but 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 they would uh, they would every year and Terry Stotts a great coach they would they would overachieve, they changed out all those all the supporting cast and suddenly it just doesn't quite feel the same and suddenly they're under well why well because sometimes it's not just about your two best guys it's about whether the mm-hmm. guys around them fit with them whether it's playing personality all of it so they, I think they lost what that 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 you know that um, whatever that thing is that whatever that thing is had them working going yeah. together it's um, not there. And so, you know, adding Carmelo, at least for the time being, I think has has kind of stabilized them and given them a, a, a fresh jolt of energy and scoring clearly, um, <laughs> and 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 a versatility at that position that they didn't have or an ability at that position that they didn't have. Um, we all know what all the caveats are with with Carmelo yep. in terms of defense and, and playmaking and everything else. Um, can it continue? I, I think there's a decent chance that that it does, um, and I think that they can start to find the chem- look. They changed out so many pieces. It doesn't mean that they were necessarily going to be a worse team. I just think that it, it meant that it, at a minimum it was going to take them some time to figure out how all of these pieces fit together, and for those guys to get acclimated to each other. Hassan Whiteside is a guy that that has always been kind of a tricky guy with regard to team chemistry. Yes, he is, mm-hmm. to say the <laughs> least. So. Um, I, I like the pickup of Carmelo. Like I, I just think that you know it, it was always going to be up to Carmelo. Um, there were teams that 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 would have signed him sooner um, if if they got I think the right read on him. And I think mm-hmm. the read has had still was he wants to be the old Carmelo, and we don't know if we can if, if that makes sense for our team. So um, look, right now he's he's still he's still shooting with the rate of the old Carmelo. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see as they move forward, you know, how that how that all balances out and, and whether or not um, it, it it tilts too far in his direction because that team needs to be about CJ and Dame okay. primarily. Yeah. Should, so should the Spurs blow it up? I know we were talking about. Oh, how that was a good one. I know we were talking about how you can't kill them before, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 because <laughs> I think they should send Lamarcus Aldridge to Miami. That's just me. Hmm. That'd be that's an interesting one. trade partner. Yeah, you want everybody to go to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> that team is fun as hell to watch. I, I, I they are, they are fun. I fear Lamarcus would slow them down too much. I like, I like that they're they're like a really great transition team. I think, so. I uh. think, I think they need a four probably because they but have I, like yeah. they have like this Kelly Olynyk weird Myers Leonard thing going on there, and they have tradable contracts so. I was just, you know, be interesting. is it going to be Love? Is it going to be Aldridge? Is it going to be someone lower tier like Mar- Marvin Williams? I don't know. So the caveat with the Spurs is, one, the Spurs never make in-season trades. Yep. Like, that is I, true. They've made like one in the last 20 years, I think. <laughs> I think it was for Jackie Butler from the Knicks. Um, <laughs> wow. Go, go, go look it up, kids. <laughs> wow. who, did, what was, who was that trade for? Um, no, I'm Googling this right now. Was Hold it? On. I can't. I can't remember. Was it, it. J.R. Reed? It was, the, it was the Larry Brown year of the Knicks. No, so it was Larry Brown year of the Knicks. I don't. Um, remember. Yeah. Jackie. Holy. Jackie um, Butler. Yeah. Wow. I pulled that one out that, of my ass. Yeah. Um, is that the Jerome? Thanks for James taking me back era, to the great era, era of, James uh, era Knicks <laughs> basketball. Apologies <laughs> to Knicks fans for uh, giving them PTSD. <laughs> oh God. Wait, no. He signed as a free agent with the Spurs. No, no, no but they, there they, was they, a trade. Oh, okay. Trade. There was an season trade. Traded with Luis Scola, who I think they just had his rights to the Rockets for. I cannot pronounce his name, but I know who this is. Oh, Vasilis Spanolis. 
<laughs> I'm probably butchering that. <laughs> and um, a 2009 second round pick, uh, which later became Nando DiColo. One of the great trades. Okay. Isn't he doing really well in like your All right, but the, the, the Spurs, uh, we got to get Howard out of here, but the Spurs, the Spurs don't trade, um, but do you think they should blow it up? Um, I think because the uh, it, it's like it's an unwritten rule of the NBA that the Spurs uh, are unkillable um, <laughs> and we should never, ever, ever, ever bet against them that the Spurs will look at it as, and we should probably all look at it as, they're going to find a way to pull this thing back together. You know, like the, some, something's huh. – they're going to they're gonna somehow turn it around. Um, I think – excuse me. If they were any other team, that would be a serious discussion right now for sure. And maybe it mm. is for them too. Uh, th- look, this is clearly not your team of the future. Right. The miles and on, on LaMarcus Aldridge and, and DeMar DeRozan, plus just the built-in limitations of those guys as your two stars. This is not a team that's going to contend for a title. Um we shouldn't always just look through everything and uh, through the prism of you either have a potential title contender or not, and everything else should be blown up because you know then everybody would be blowing everything up all the time, and you know that'd be really cool because explosions are fun, you know. But um, but life is not a video game. Um, That's right, Brian. Take notes of that. I wish it was. Man. I really wish um, it was. No, like we 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 always fans immediately. We always want to blow a team up, right? Like it's just so much fun to say, ah, let's blow it up. Let's start playing with the trade machine. <laughs> Um, I've been playing with the trade machine all month. I've already sent Marcus Morris to Houston. <laughs> nice. What are the Knicks getting for? Uh, let me go look that up. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't take him down this rabbit It was that. like a first-round pick and something uh, else. That would be nice. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the Spurs could still be very competitive. But, yeah, like the, DeMar DeRozan is a potential free agent. And it just there's, there's a lot of signs that would point to, yes, they should just try to start retooling. And and maybe they will. Um, I, I I would get the feeling that Pop would rather stand with the guys he's got and see how far he can push them. And 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 uh, yeah, I, I I'll be stunned if they make a move. So. Everybody's been asking me this. I was high on the Lakers coming into the season, so I'm actually not surprised at their start. Um, if they played right now, who are you taking? Lakers or Clippers? Um, I picked the Clippers as the as the team to come out of the West before the season. Um, not by a, a dramatic amount, but I think the Clippers ha- have the better overall supporting cast, and they have a guy like Lou Williams that the Lakers just don't have. There's not that third guy in the Lakers. Sorry, Laker fans, it's not Kyle Kuzma. Oh, like, you're gonna hurt them. They're gonna be so I angry. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're, you're you're right, by the way. It, yeah. it won't it won't be the first time. No, but Lou Williams uh, is is like it's, it's a great luxury to have a Lou Williams. Also, like Lou and Montrez together Ooh. as a as a one two punch off the bench that See, that you can have a bench with its own. St- distinct identity uh, completely apart from your two stars that those guys were actually part of a 48 win team last year um like those those are things that the lakers just don't have now, lebron and ad are amazing together and they lift everyone around them and when lebron and ad are running screen roll together or any two-man action between those two guys it's almost impossible to defend and that's why the lakers are great and will be great and you know, if they're in the finals, will not surprise me in the least. But if when a you know, push comes to shove, I think the Clippers are a little better, and it's because Lou, uh, it's because of Lou Williams, it's because of, of the Lou and Montrez partnership, it's because of the overall just supporting cast. I think is more proven uh, and uh, better fitting. Uh, I think a little better shooting. Um, but again, it's it's not like miles better. It's it's you know, and and I you know. The, the the defense that they can apply and the, the Lakers defense has been better than anybody expected. Oh yes, it's been really good. But right. the the Kawhi Paul George Pat Beverly perimeter D is just unfair. Yeah. That's, okay. Remember what I texted you the other day? I said having Montrez Howard is a joke. LOL. Yes, you did. Uh, yes, <laughs> having Montrez Howard as a fourth option is option a joke. Is LOL. A joke. And he's been he's been great. All right, your, last your, your last one for Howard. Uh, should the Hornets trade Terry Rozier because they have Devontae Graham? <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, you went way off the board. Wow, <laughs> I did not think we were going to get a Hornets question on here, but okay. Because you, you know I'm going to just bring out something, you know, ridiculous. Something random. I don't even think Howard Carey. No, I won't say uh, Terry Rozier, by the way, who's not having a bad season, but. Yeah, but Devontae Graham looks better than him. Okay. I, I don't, and yeah, they just I, signed I, him. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure where I'm, where I'm placing Terry Rozier. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. See, that was honest. I like yeah, that. Sorry. That, that basically is like, Howard's like, I don't care. One, one, one last blow it up question. Uh, Pistons. What do you do with Blake? Oh, that's a good blow it up. Uh, and Andre Drummond, who is on a contract, you're fighting for a max contract, getting 30 that, rebounds a game. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody should give him that max contract. I mean, I mean, if Tobias Harris can get one. Blake Griffin, you know, it, it, the reason that he's on the Pistons in the first place is because the Clippers immediately were like, all right, we have a ticking time bomb, big contract, bad injury history. Yes. Uh, you know, age issues, everything. But Blake Griffin's still really freaking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is you know, I, I haven't I haven't looked into this for two seconds, so I'm not going to start throwing out like you know <laughs> fake trades. But no, but like, are there teams that could use Blake Griffin uh, for certain? Do you ha- you then have to weigh? Okay, but I've got X number of contract years at, at this price. Um, is is it worth the the, the long term gamble? Mm-hmm. You know, which team is he putting over the top? Um, I don't know. Again, I hadn't, I hadn't started thinking about it, so I don't want to start throwing out crazy stuff. I found the trade. Uh, Timberwolves get Bobby Portis. Knicks get Dante Exum, Ed Davis, Gory Jeng, and a first-round pick from the Timberwolves. And the Jazz get Marcus Morris. That's what I did. <laughs> That's a lot going on there. That's a lot. You got way too much time in your hands. <laughs> no, it was like five minutes. Okay. I just looked at three I, teams' I, I contract. Remember, I learned the salary cap from playing video games, I, and that's why I know it now. Life, I guess, can't be a video game. Howard... Gentlemen, third, third, time, third time. We got to get you a plaque next time. That Stickers, we hang just stick? yeah, like a sticker, a sticker, like, like on my helmet, right? Like I put like the uh, okay for oh. the number of sacks or whatever. Teepublic like, okay. dot I like that. We Our should, store. We should, we should do that. We could so we could sell them there. People, I'm sure people people would like it. Howard, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you coming as always. Talking some NBA again, senior. NBA writer for Bleacher Report. A real senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report. You can tell by the grays on my chin. That's right. And here's, and, and here's the trade if anyone's curious. <laughs> and no, the host been... of the Full 48 podcast. Uh, check it out. They're great podcast. As always, listen to for Howard Beck, Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.